Join sports cages Michael Ball for CAA Travel's Ultimate Sports Trip December 5th to 12th. Leaving from Regina and Saskatoon, this trip includes a seven-night stay in Huntington Beach and tickets to two Anaheim Ducks NHL home games and two NFL games, the Raiders versus the Rams and the Dolphins versus the Chargers, plus a daily breakfast and transportation to and from the games, all for just $24.99 per person, taxes included, based on double occupancy. Drop by or call your local CAA travel agency to book the ultimate sports trip. Just watched the Seattle Mariners pop a three-run homer out of the yard, beat my Padres six to nothing. Uh, Seattle right now seventy-nine and sixty-two, a game back of the Blue Jays who are eighty and sixty-two. Blue Jays split a doubleheader with Tampa yesterday. Tampa seventy-nine and sixty-two as well. My Padres are I think fourteen over five hundred. They're two up on Milwaukee for the final playoffs, but that's really the only race left to determine. I don't think Baltimore's catching Seattle, Tampa, or Toronto. They're five back. Uh, coming up on the show, which is brought to you by Spreads.ca, they'll match your first deposit of 25 to $250. Um, we got lots to get to. Babies galore in Rider Nation. Don't know about the fans, but Taryn Vaughn, significant other, had a baby. You can check it out at Primetime TV 75 on Instagram. I don't know what name they chose. Um, and our quarterback, Cody Fajardo, his life, uh, wife, Laura, had a baby boy. Just after 1 o'clock this morning, named him Luca. Actually, here's an interesting thing, speaking of names. These are the most changed names so far in North America, they say. Isaac, so people that have these names, they change their names. Isaac, Chloe, Aiden, Connor, Elliot, Michael. I like Michael. It's boring, but I like it. James, Isabella, Sophia, and David. The Isaacs and Chloes might be just looking to fix the spelling, but the... Uh, top two most popular newly adopted names are Isaac and Chloe. Now, the number three name is Sebastian. Unclear why it's so trendy, but that's a good name, Sebastian. You got a good name, too, Casper with a K, right? Yeah, it's German. Boy. German slash. German. Yeah, German slash Norwegian. A lot of Norwegians. Casper Ka- Kleisinger. What's his middle name? Uh, Lars. Wow. So yeah. that was... Why, why, why'd you pick that? Uh, Lars is my... Ulrich Metallica? No, Lars is my wife's uh, grandpa's name. Okay, and why Casper? Casper was my uh, dad's uncle's name. My uh, my great un- my nice. uh, great uncle, I think that's called, right? Something like that. So it's great that uh, Cody Fajardo uh, can uh, has the baby. They're healthy, and he can play the game on Friday yeah. when the Edmonton Elks roll into town. Taylor Cornelius has signed a two-year extension with the Elks for whatever that's worth. Wow. We're we're expecting to have also. Um, Trey Ford here in the lineup and ready to go for the Edmonton Elks as they try to keep their playoff hopes alive. So when when I um, when you think Chicago Blackhawks great names, okay, like greatest names in Blackhawks history, give me some of the names that might come to your mind. Patrick uh, Patrick Kane, yeah, uh, Jonathan Taves, Tony Esposito, yeah. Bobby Hall, yeah. those type of guys, right? Yeah, I know where you're going with Marion Hosa. <laughs> is having his number 81 jersey retired. Now, he won three Stanley Cups when he came over from Pittsburgh. Uh, listen, I think he was a great player, good two-way player. I just don't see him as a as an all-timer guy that you retire his jersey. It's interesting. And he's getting retired on November 20th. We all know what's happening on that day. I don't think anybody's going to care about Marion Hosa on the 20th. November Or t- any day, for that matter. November 20th, what's happening on that day? Oh, the Grey Cup. 
Oh, on the 20th. <laughs> when the Riders win. Okay. Yeah, that's the early Grey Cup, too. I'm used to it being in December after last year. I think it's year. November 20th. I thought the Grey Cup's in December, isn't it? Uh. <laughs> last year it was. Okay. It's been 18 months since the NCAA college video game. EA Sports announced they're bringing it back, which, by the way, the best football video game. I love the NCAA oh, football great. game. Yeah, anyway, uh, looks uh, looking like it's going to be a July 2023 launch, and the game likely will only be available, according to The Athletic, on next-gen consoles like uh, PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series XS, according to sources and documents. That'll be outstanding. And suspended Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson turns 27 today. Tell you what, Zinger, I was looking at ordering him Something from Amazon, but they do not sell moral compasses. Something like a can't. Sorry, that's what I want to. That's what I wanted to do, man. All right, uh, your Saskatchewan Rough Riders at a close practice today, getting set for the game against Edmonton on Friday. So Taron Vaughn is not playing. He's out because uh, he's in the states, I believe. Texas having uh, you know with the significant other and their baby. Cody will play. Duke is out again this week. So I've been told. So Duke is not playing again this week. That's what I've been led to believe. Don't know why that is. I'm not sure. We've heard people People have been texting me. Ballsy, are they trading him? Are they getting rid of Duke Williams? I haven't heard anything about that. Um, I don't know if he's still out due to injury because he did have the foot and hip injury, but he was running in practice there for a couple of days. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going on with that. Maybe it's a self-imposed suspension from the team, and they, I don't know anything about that. Maybe they're just sitting him down after that incident in the Labor Day game that was one of the reasons they lost to the Blue Bombers. I have no idea. But, uh, yeah, so we're... We got that receiving core clicking now, though. Braden Lenny is slowly finding his way back. He'll probably hit a stride right by the end of the year. It's not easy to come in midseason when you've gained all that weight to go to the NFL. Kyron Moore looks good at times. At other times, he drops passes he should catch, like he did last week in the Labor Day rematch, when if he catches that ball, maybe the Riders go in for at least a field goal. Yeah, catch the ball. Yeah, he drops it on third down, and then Winnipeg goes down and scores the touchdown with, uh, what's his name, Rasheed Bailey on that nice tightrope. By the way, did you see the replay on that touchdown? I don't want to look at it. No, it was a blatant hole down the sidelines. What is the ref looking at? Oh, I don't know. Embarrassing. And and listen, they just Not surprised. And by the way, it's fine day. Can you look for me to see if that Stampeder dude that picked the ball off and ran into the end zone, the same end zone Duke ran into and sat in the end zone, if he got a fine? Hmm. Because that's exact. I know he didn't eat nachos, but he sat in the chair like uh, Duke did, so I want to see if he was fine, because if not, answer me that one tips. Um, okay, speaking of the receiving core, our own Blaine Wyland from our sports department had a chance to sit down with Shaq uh, Evans. While we get to this interview, we want you to call 936-6262 in town. Toll free out of town, 1-866-767-0620. It's Pick the Score for Sastel. Sastel also happens to be the sponsor of Football Weekend in Saskatchewan. On Saturday, our own Sean Kleisinger, right over there, best producer in the business, with Ryan Hall, one of the great amateur coaches in this province. They will bring you the call of the Thunder Hilltops. Then we got a special sports cage on the concourse at Mosaic in between that game and the nightcap Saturday. 2-0 Rams, 2-0 Huskies. We'll hear from Mason Nias of the Huskies Regina guy before the show is done. But football weekend in Saskatchewan kicks off Friday with the Riders against the Edmonton Elks. If you call in now 936-6262 and hold on while we get to Shaq Evans or 1-866-767-0620 you pick the score of that game. You get two tickets if you're closest 
to the score for the week, and we got your name there, then you will get a $200 gift card from Sastail and be in the running for a sweet experience at a Ryder game. Not a sweet experience, but a sweet, yeah. sweet experience at a Ryder game. You'll sit in one of those fancy-dancy seats, okay? So 936-6262, Let's hear from Shaq Evans. I feel good. You know, each week is getting a little easier for me to practice and everything uh, with the with the injury and everything. So it's, it's settling in, and um, like I said, feeling good each and every week. So we'll, it'll keep progressing from here on out. How are you feeling during Saturday's game? Uh, Saturday's game felt fine. You know, just obviously it was disappointing the way we played and how the, the result was. But um, it's football. You're going to have bad days. I mean, we had a, you know a crazy thing happen with the stomach bug and everything. So. It was definitely tough to go out there, but um, you know we gave it all we had. It just wasn't enough. After a game like that, do you take anything from it, or do you start the new week like with a clean slate? Yeah, I feel like games like that, you just try to you know just put it to bed. You know, we know what happened. We know we were under, you know, not the greatest of circumstances, but at the end of the day, you learn from it. You know what you did wrong as a man and as a player. You know what you got to fix, and I think that. We understand that we had a great practice today, great energy, and I think we'll bounce back this week. You talked about it before, but maybe go a little bit more detail. How do you feel the the rhythm for yourself has been going uh, these last couple of weeks coming back from your latest injury? Yeah, I think it's, uh, I had the same injury last year, and I'm definitely I feel like I'm at a, in a better rhythm than I was last year um, coming back from injury. Um, obviously, um, I don't think anybody really had a great game on a, on a Saturday, but um, I felt like my first game back was pretty good. and. Um, the, I mean, we'll just keep building from here. Like I said, I'm like, I feel way better than I did last year coming off injury. And like I said, I'll, I'll continue to build and, um, as a team and as individually as well. You mentioned having a similar injury last year. Does it help, uh, you know, doing it? I know you don't want to get injured again, but does it help in terms of the recovery process, you know, going through it a second time? Yeah, definitely, because you know what to expect. You know how long it's going to take and what the rehab process is going to be like. And uh, I think I was able to approach it with a different mindset this time. I was more positive and because I knew what to expect and I knew uh, that I could come back. Like some injuries, you, you don't know if you can come back and things like that. But going through it before, it gave me that extra boost to know, okay, I can't come back as long as I stay diligent in my rehab and uh, in my work ethic. Lots of uh, in and outs in terms of the receiving room. Uh, how's the chemistry been inside the receiving room over the last couple of weeks? Oh, the, rece- the, the chemistry in our room is always good. I mean, we love each other. I think we genuinely love each other. That we were always, you know, hanging out and things like that, and you know, talking mess to each other. We're a real close knit group, so it's just been unfortunate that we all haven't been on the field at the same time. But at the end of the day, the the room is always going to be tight um, because of the guys we have in that room. That you know, we genuinely, genuinely love each other. Uh, sort of came back from injury around the same time as you. Of, of course, uh, it's his first game back of the season when he came back. How do you think he's done so far early on in the season? For I, I think he's done well. I mean, I know he's, he's I know he would tell you when we because in our room we have high standards, and I think he's he's left some plays out there. He'll tell the same thing just like I've left some plays out there and things like that so but other than that overall I think he's looked great you know I'm just happy to see him back out there you know his injury is definitely way more serious than mine and to see him back out there you know it put a smile on my face you know uh, I made sure I dapped him up and everything before he left for the I think we played BC that week when he came back and I just just told him I loved him and uh so um, I just told him like man I'm just happy to see you back out there because it was devastating when he went down last year. Braden Lanius uh, first games back around Labor Day how do you think he's been uh, in his first couple games back? Yeah man it's it's tough coming off the couch you know it's playing and then the first week you're back you're playing a football game so I mean but other than that man he's he's been looking good I mean like I said we're we're all coming back recently and I think we're all getting better each and every week and I think with him he'll also get better each and every week I mean he's been out of the CFL game for like you know six seven months now being down there down south but I think uh, each and every week he'll get better and better and, and more opportunities as well.
not too often uh, to cheer when your starting quarterback leaves for practice, but obviously you got to be happy for a Cody Fajardo situation. Yeah, super happy for Cody. You know, I was one of the, I was screaming his name, just you know, jumping up and down. Just you know, I love you know, I love seeing stuff like that because you know that's, that's a blessing. Not everybody's fortunate enough to have children. For though, when you're able to have a child and be the father and actually be able to be there because sometimes sometimes you're not able to be there for so for him to have her up here and be able to go see his his son be born that's that's definitely a blessing i'm super happy for him. uh big game friday night against edmonton it's a chance for you guys to uh, eliminate the elks from playoff contention yeah. how important is that to eliminate a divisional opponent like that yeah, it's very important you know our, our goal you know is to make the playoffs and uh you know whether it's you know crossing over or staying in the west and um so anytime you have opportunity to knock a team out of the race and make it easier on yourself you want to take advantage of that and i think where it's a prime position, we'll, we'll, we're already 2-0 against them. So, you know, I know they're coming in here hungry, wanting to beat us. So we have to come on our A game, and, uh, and I think that we will. And um, we'll do everything in our power, you know, eliminate those guys. All right, that's Jack Evans with her own Blaine Wyland. Let's get on the phone. Sass to help pick the score. Jackie Grasco, is that right? Yes. Jackie, how yes. are you today? I'm fine. Awesome, Jackie. So you've won tickets to the Riders-Elks game. What's the score going to be in your mind? I think it's going to be Saskatchewan 30 and Edmonton 25. 30 to 25, a high-scoring affair, okay? Uh, Jackie, if you are the closest to picking the score, you'll, in addition to getting those tickets, get a $200 gift card from Sastail, and you'll also uh, be in the running to watch a game in a suite next year, okay? Oh, that would be great. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, and thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Jackie Grasco, our uh Recipient of two tickets and an entrant now into Sastel Pick the Score contest for this week. All right. Uh, when we come back, we have our clutch performance from Nick Service, and we'll also do our NFL power rankings getting set for the game. Uh, the week kicks off tomorrow, Thursday night football, big AFC West arms race, the Chiefs and the Chargers. This is the sports cage for spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. That's the judge. Swung on and drilled to deep right field. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. And to the Boston bullpen, a judgy in blast. Aaron Judge drills into the right center field bullpen. As he rounds third, all rise. Here comes the judge. And the ball game is tied at three. High fly ball, deep left field. There it goes. See ya. Number 57, Aaron Judge, four away from Roger Maris. Yeah, big Aaron Judge stands four big swings away from Roger Maris, a 61-year-old AL record for home runs in a single season, belting his major league leading 56th and 57th homers in the Yanks' 7-6-10 inning victory over the Red Sox at Fenway last night. So there you go. That's our clutch performance brought to you by Nick Service. Uh, in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer call 781-1077. You know, I've been doing radio for years. I've been doing this show since April. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to make fun of my mom, but my family still calls me when I'm on the air. It's oh, like, man. I wonder what Michael's up to. Well, turn the radio on between wow. 4 and 6.30. You, yeah. you can tell Mama Ball. Maybe and, they just want a quick word in the commercial break. Maybe. You know? Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, uh, Zinger, let's get to our power rankings for the NFL, Let, shall we? Let's rock it. Okay, here, here we go. Uh, I'm going to go with my bottom three, okay? 30, 31, and 32. The Lions had a nice week uh, one comeback against the Eagles, but they started too late like a lot of 
Detroit Lion teams have. At number 31, the Jags. The good news is that Doug Peterson was on the plane back to Jacksonville after the loss and didn't stay home or stay behind to visit family like Urban Meyer, right? <laughs> in the bar. And the Jets are the worst team in the league. Joe Flacco's your quarterback. Of course, you're the worst team at 0-1. Number 10, I got the Bengals. They stubbed their toe to start the season and still almost won against the Steelers. At number 9, I got your Packers. At least they didn't lose 38-3 to in their season opener. At number 8, I got the Eagles. Their three-point margin obscures how solid they were in that game against the Lions. At 7, I got the Ravens. Yes, they beat the Jets, but they still look like they're ready to contend, even though they lost Kyle Fuller, their corner, for the year with a knee injury. Uh, Rams at number 6, I know they lost, but they're not going to see another team that good like the one that dismantled them in the season opening game, the Bills. Number five, I got the Vikings. They could have beat your Packers 33-7. to I don't think they have a real weakness, actually. Their corners aren't great, but they're good enough to win with. Yeah. Number four, the Chargers. <laughs> great start, but consistency and health will be a key. They're already not going to have Keenan Allen in the lineup tomorrow. He's out with a hamstring injury against Kansas City. Number three, the Buccaneers. They didn't play a great game, but they... One nineteen to three. The the NFC is pathetic, actually, outside of about three or four teams. At number two, I got the Bills. They'll go as far as Josh Allen can take them, and the good news is he can take them all the way. And the number one team on my power ranking in the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs. Anyone who was sleeping on the Chiefs and thought they'd take a downward spiral, like I kind of did, actually are awake now. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes is 5-0 and in season opening games, and he has 18 touchdowns and no interceptions. So I got the Chiefs 1, Bills 2, Bucks 3, Chargers 4, Vikes 5, Rams, Ravens, Eagles, Packers, Bengals. Let's go with you, Zinger, number 10. Philadelphia Eagles Okay, are at number 10. Number 9, I got the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals yeah. had no business beating the Steelers on Sunday, so they deserve to lose. Um going to put them in at nine. Okay, I got the Packers at eight. Okay? Okay. I don't want to talk about it. I got the Vikings at seven. <laughs> okay. Don't want to talk about that one either. Uh, the Ravens at six, you know, they weren't okay. really they weren't really able to run the ball much in their season opener, but, you know, I think they're uh, a pretty good team. I got your Chargers at five. Okay. I got the LA Rams at four. The Rams that high? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, I got the Tampa Bay Bucks. At three. Okay. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs at two. And, uh, I mean, how can you not have the Buffalo Bills at one? They went into the defending Super Bowl champions' house and slapped them around. Yeah, but the three touchdowns, two interceptions from Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes had a great game. But you know what? That's pretty good. I respect your opinion. Who do you got as the worst team in the league? Worst team in the league, huh? Well, uh... I was going to say the Detroit Lions. Hey, did you know the Detroit Lions are favored for the first time in 24 games this week against the Washington Commanders? Wow. Yeah, the last time they were favored in a game, Ballsy, guess what happened? They lost 20 to nothing to a P.J. Walker-led Carolina Panthers oh. team. So, Are they playing in Washington or in Detroit? Good question. I don't care enough to know about that. <laughs> Me neither. Me neither. Hey, uh, coming up here uh, at the bottom of the hour right away, we're going to catch up with John Paddock of the Regina Pats. And uh, we'll also hear from uh, 
Mario Alford. He wants us to get his name right. Get my name right. We'll also hear from Coach Dickey. That and much, much more. Our text line, 936-6262 in town. Uh, That's the text line. Well, anywhere. That's the text line. You can call that number locally if you want to talk sports or 1-866-767-0620. Our text line is powered by Capital Ford Lincoln at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. Take a couple of your texts and get the Coach Paddock of the Regina Pats next here on the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620-CKRM. Shows brought to you by Spreads.ca. Still to come here, we'll hear from the coach, Craig Dickinson of Your Rough Riders, and Mario Elford, great uh, kickoff and punt returner. We'll talk Pats hockey in a second here. First, we'll get to some text brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln, 936-6262. Do you got some rolling in there, Zinger? We got some text rolling on in. This texture says, Hurt again, Bo Levi interests in Rider Nation. Likely if the Stamps were to trade him, though, don't you think he goes to an Eastern team? Question mark. Nah, they're Does not, that matter? Bo, I don't think that Bo's, matters. Bo's not leaving Calgary this year. After this year, all bets are off all over the place because he's a free agent. I think Cody's a free agent. There's lots of movement that can happen, but hey, Uh-oh. we're just worried about the season right now. All these, What's with these texts about uh, Bo Levi? Got another one just now. They should trade Duke to Calgary. For Bo Levi Mitchell. You'd have to trade uh, Cody out too, money-wise. Mm. You'd have to trade money for money because the Riders are up against the cap. And you can't expect Bo Levi Mitchell to come in here and just win a game. And by the way, I tried to find the fines for the CFL. Can't find it anywhere. Mm. I don't know mm. if they've been released yet, but we got another text on the text line that says, did Jackson Jeffcoat get fined for his two-handed shove of the official that... Uh, got in his way. I didn't even see that. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm, no, I'm crazy. Have to go back and look crazy. at the tape on that one. Well, Marino would have been canceled if that happened. That's a bully thing to do. That is a bully thing to do. Okay, uh, you know, uh, yeah, that's the funny thing. You can, the most important position in North American sports is quarterback. I don't think people understand how tough it is to be a quarterback. You're oh, in charge tough. of eleven or. Uh, 10 other men, depending on what version of the game you're playing. So you just can't plug a guy in and expect him to come. Like, goaltender is important. Probably the most important position in hockey, too. What did Harry Neal say? If you've got a goal, a goalie's 80% of the game, unless you don't have one, then it's 110% of the game. But a goalie comes in, and really, he, he makes saves. That's what he a does. A Zamboni driver won a game in the NHL. Ah, no. Goalies are more important. They played the <laughs> Leafs, that's why. But but you know what I mean? A quarterback's got to direct everything. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Hey, with that in mind, let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline and talk with the Pats uh, general manager and head coach, John Paddock. How are you today, John? Thanks for taking time talking to us. I'm good. Glad to. Thanks, guys. Yeah, okay. So uh, let's talk goaltending right now because you, you have four in camp. How have they looked? Because that's one thing I noticed about your team last year. Listen, I'm not a hockey expert. Called some games on the TV, on the local access channel, and I, and I go to the games. And your team played hard a lot of nights, but uh, sometimes the puck just couldn't stay out of your net, whether it was defense, whether it was goaltending. So I know that was one area you wanted to address. How does it look so far in training camp? Well, I think they've looked. Uh, they've all looked pretty good. Uh, we've allowed only seven goals in three games, um, and to take that all with a grain of salt, I, I think uh, you know, in all the games played, uh, us and our opposition, PA and Swift Current, uh, are playing minus seven or eight players that are going to be in the lineup when it starts for real. So. Mm-hmm. All with a grain of salt, but I think uh, all our goalies have looked sharp. I think Colin McGinnis has come in and looked steady, and uh, and Drew and Keeps and Piner are all have all been pretty good. So, uh, yeah, so far uh, we're happy with what we've seen. 
I'll, I'll say everybody likes to talk about Bedard. I'll save that till near the end, Coach. Uh, any young players who have maybe taken a step up from last season through your eyes that you see? Anybody you can talk about? Well, some of some of them are hurt that are we would consider young players taking a step. Um, but uh, you know, we're expecting um, big things from Borea Vallis this year. Um, you know, he improved as the season went on last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks like he's got. You know, he does doesn't look just look like he has a lot of tools. Uh, I think Ty Spencer came in and it took a while to adjust, but Ty was probably our best player in Prince Albert the other night on Friday night. So there's a, those are a couple of guys that come to mind uh, quickly, and I think Leighton Feist has had a good camp, and we're needing him uh, significant to take a significant step for us as well. Mm-hmm. How about the Vaughn twins? I'm hearing about these Vaughn twins. Can you tell us about that and fill our listeners in? Uh, they're throwback players. They're, uh, they have a great mindset. They want to be hockey players big time. Uh, they're very physical. Um, they play, a, a, I don't know if it's an old school way of hockey. I mean, because the old school way of hockey becomes a new way school of hockey when uh, playoffs hit in the spring for at all levels. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're very involved uh, in the game physically. What are you hoping for from, uh, from veteran Cole Dubinsky this year, Coach Paddock? Well, any time that, you know, I think Cole's made, you know, steady improvements or marketed improvements as his career has gone on. So the uh, one more step, the logical step in his overage year would be to have even a bigger year and, you know, continue to mature, uh, whether it's as a hockey player or as a person. I mean, that's what you expect from everybody. That's, you know, uh, at 15 is coming close to late birthday so he did play some games as a 15 mm-hmm. but when you're a 16 year old you're a lot more mature uh, away from the rink when you're 20 and you know you're a lot more mature on the ice so uh, certainly we have high the high hopes for him what have you noticed uh, have you noticed anything differently about Connor Bedard everything he's been through in this summer and that that wild uh, world juniors he actually got in a, in a calendar year he got a mini world juniors and then the full world juniors in Edmonton that won and they won in thrilling fashion are you noticing anything different I know he's grown a little bit but in terms of his game coach uh, no I don't think so I mean I think you know um, Connor's game is is his game it's what he does you know he has uh obviously tremendous ability um he has a burning desire to be uh at the top of his sport and i think those are things that allow him to be what he is uh i don't think he necessarily shoots the puck any harder but he might um i actually as you say as i say that i'm rambling on here i know he did some skating stuff in toronto for a week in the summertime and when I first noticed him in the World Junior game, uh, like Colsey said, I think he's faster. So I think it's it's possible, very possible, that he's faster. Coach, uh, just talk about you, a guy that's a veteran. You've been around, you've seen it all, been through your own health scare recently. What's it like? What's it like? And and how 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 does it help you coaching these young guys to keep the energy and the juices going for a a, a grizzled veteran like you behind the bench? Well, I don't. It's very exciting, and it's very. Um, I'm very grateful and thankful to have another opportunity to do it. That's for sure. But uh, you know, we've never, in my time here, certainly as coach, and I don't think Dave did either. We've never looked at upon them as kids. I mean, I think there's some kid things happen, but as far as the 
the coaching and teaching and and uh, trying to show them things. Um, I never treated any different than I treated, you know, treated or, you know, coach, say, 30-year-old men or, you know, whatever the case was. Um, we expect them to be professionals uh, and, and learn and attend them, et cetera. But just, you know, period, I don't want to put this on Connor, but the opportunity to coach Connor, the opportunity to uh, be back again behind the bench after some of the stuff I went through, it is all very exciting for sure. Coach, where does he rank amongst the the players, either pros or, or youngsters? I mean, I know that's kind of apples and oranges, but where does he rank in terms of the player, uh, you know, the players you've coached? Well, yeah, like, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to be around really, really top players from Daniel Chera and Alfredson and Spezza and Solani and Kachuk and, like, many of them. Uh, so, I mean, Connor's still at the, you know, he's at the very, whatever you want to call it, bottom or of that age, you know, mm-hmm. he's just starting his career. But um, to have you know, the opportunity to be around and work with uh, a little bit or a lot. A player that is talked about of being a generational player, it's pretty exciting. And, uh, you know, it's something that, you know, for us and everybody closely associated with him, I think that we uh, have a great appreciation for that. And I think it's, you know, what an opportunity for our community here, and, and surrounding community. I know it happens on the road where people make, last year, a friend of mine told me this special trip that a bunch of his friends made just to see us play. Mm-hmm. So the opportunity to see, you know, a future player like that um, play for, you know, whatever it costs to come to our game. Yeah. It's going to cost you when you go to uh, see him, if you want to drive to see him play in Calgary next year or Winnipeg, it'll be four or five times as much money. And so um, we all have a real treat here with us, amongst us. And uh, I know we all we all appreciate it, but, you know, it, it's, it's really, uh, you know, a one-time thing. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. Uh, it's funny you say that because I've, I've said that a, a number of times about Bedard, about certain players that have rolled through the Western Hockey League. You mentioned Chara, the, the Aginlas. Uh, I always love when those Western teams roll through because you never got to see them very much. And then when they come through, you're like, oh, that's what Aginlas. Then you remember him from, you know, from his Kamloops days. So, yeah, absolutely. We get that. People say, well, there's nothing to do in February in Regina. Well, yes, there is. You can go watch the Regina Pats play some hockey. Like, honestly, you get the best junior hockey player in the world right here in your in your backyard it is kind of crazy lastly coach i don't expect you to make a prediction for your uh for your team this year but i do want to ask you what do you think of the division in the conference you you know and the competitiveness with uh, of your team within that uh realm well i think it's uh, i think it's very competitive um i think that winnipeg uh showed where they were last year they don't lose a lot they got to get their old ragers back um you know, Mushka had a real good year. I mean, they're a great rival of ours, so you know that brings should bring out the best in us. But I think it's a, I think it's going to be a hotly contested division, and it's the same over on the other side. Uh, you know, some teams have are at different stages of rebuilding and starting a rebuild, and uh, um, 
you know, Red Deer is a pretty good team, but I'm not sure we're going to get Ben King back. And so I think, you know, in the next, even maybe take up to a month for all of us to get our players back from NHL teams and rosters, it's it's a bit hard to say. But, you know, it's always com- very competitive where, where some of us are very, very good friends, but when it's 7 o'clock at night, uh, you don't really have any friends on the other bench <laughs> or on the ice. And uh, that's just that's the great thing about sports. Yeah, that is an awesome thing about sports. Okay, man. Well, I thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Can't wait to see the Pats in, uh, with my own eyeballs and uh, appreciate, like you said, what we have in town here. Thanks for your time, uh, John. Take care. All right. Thanks very much, guys. That's John Paddock, head coach and GM of your Regina Pats, who came off a 4-2 victory yesterday at a sold-out Estevan Affinity Place against Swift Kern Broncos, a game you caught right here. Your voice of Pats Hockey, 620 CKRM. We're going to hear from Coach Dickey, Mario Alford, and a sports ticker with our buddy Sean Kleisinger. It's all coming up. It's the Sports Cage for uh, Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. It's 446 with your sports ticker. It's for Bronco Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling. They're hiring right now, looking for service technicians. Starting salary is $75,000 plus a nice sign-in bonus. Give them a call at 781 2090. The Saskatchewan Roughrunners have signed American defensive tackle Weston Kramer. No, not Cosmo. Not Cosmo. Weston. Kramer was a Indiana Hoosier in his senior season. Before that, he spent a few seasons with Northern Illinois University. So fill in the void that uh, Garrett Marino had. Halsey. Yeah, I mean, 97 tackles, a 12 and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, and two knockdowns over 45 games with Northern Illinois, 6'2, 290 pounder. All right. Um, and I think he was in training camp with the Red Blacks yes, this year. Was, yeah. yeah, but he was cut uh, before he had a sack conclusion. in preseason. Yeah, he did. Okay. Yeah. Um, also, I want to, whoever created the Guardian cap is on to something. And I, I said this a few weeks ago, Zinger. Mm-hmm. My son wears it in practice. They they have it all down there in NCAA. I don't know if they have it with the Rams. I haven't been out to see. I know the Thunder don't. I mean, it costs money. Um, but the very early results from the use of the protective guardian camp during the NFL preseason showed a reduction in concussions from 23 on average in the previous three years to 11 this year for the position groups that wore the device. That comes from the NFL executive vice president, Jeff Miller. Guardian is a foam cap that wraps around the helmet. The league mandated offensive linemen, D linemen, tight ends, and linebackers to wear them during practice. Uh, practice in an effort to reduce head injuries. I really think Zinger, this is the next. If they if they're serious about concussions and they're serious about their product, somebody needs to make a slick. They'll look a little goofy, but they need to put the logos on them, and that's what they need to wear during the games. That's what they need to do. But I'm not even joking. The selfish part of me is like, I want a nice shiny football helmet. Yeah, but you, you buy one. They can uh, sell them. Like, serious, but honestly, do you want that or do you want your quarterback slobbering because he's got his 14th concussion? No, I'm with you. I, if, like, if Guardian Caps is the way to go, I'm, I'm well, here that, for it. It's looking like it's the way to go. My son said they're 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 hot a little bit, but not not that bad. So I never thought of that. Those would be kind of they'd be kind of. Can you imagine huh? wearing those in, in oh. like uh, Tennessee or something in a no. game? Austin, Texas, crazy. No, no. Okay, Mario Alford couldn't make. It on the Montreal Alouettes roster because this guy named Chandler Worthy, who kicked our ass uh, a couple of times when we played him, um, 
Can I say that on the station? I just did. Anyway, kicked yeah. our butt, kicked our bums. Anyway, I don't want, I don't need our ba- any. Our back size, our, back our size. gluteus maximus. Well, it sounds better when he kicked our, you know what, because that's he what he did. He kicked our gluteus maximus. He did, he did. But we found the intestinal fortitude uh, to trade a late draft pick for a guy named Mario Elford, who has been a great find for the Riders. And as we start this interview, Mario said, say my damn name right. Not a big deal, but a lot of people been asking me, um, is my name Mario or Mario? It is pronounced Mario, just for the record. Were you one of the players who was dealing with an illness in that game? Yes, sir, I was. So how are you feeling after you ran the kickback? I mean, during that play, I was fine, but um, it, it more so hit me when I wasn't moving around. And, but after the game, I felt real terrible, too, so I kind of fought through it, and uh, a lot of us did, so like one of them things where it's like it's not an injury and uh, it is one of them things that just happened out of the blue right we didn't know we was gonna have an illness before the game and it's, it's like could you go or could you not go so i had doubts in my mind that you know i wasn't gonna go but kind of i did it anyway i fought it out and um we was able to survive. You know, it's always a good start when you can you can do that. You know, the special team put put points on the board too. That's always a good thing. You know, for for any team. So it's good, and uh, I just want to continue making it happen. I missed five games, and uh, I knew what I could do. And, and in this league, know what I can do too. So I just had to. I just got to stay healthy and, and um, keep my foot on the gas. So. Do you know who Gizmo Williams was? Oh, uh, I heard. Of, I heard of him. Yeah, you know you're rocking the same number. Uh, no, I didn't know. But I heard of him. Yeah. What have you heard about him? Uh, he was a great returner. Anyway, that's him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have heard. you seen any footage on him yet? No, I haven't seen no footage. How, how does it feel to know people are asking you questions about the greatest kick returner ever in CFL history? pretty good man um like i said i i, I just want to give the thanks to my my teammates too my guys they're gonna want to like that the best in the game <laughs> just want to give thanks to them guys that, you know without them it wouldn't be possible to be doing what i'm doing so i want to get a hat off to them too how are you doing oh it's just a i just got a net for it i, I believe i told a thing you can't coach you can't coach a guy how to run where to run where, where to see the Hold. It's just one of them things I got a knack for. Yeah, I think Coach Dickinson was talking about weeks ago, maybe after your first return touchdown. He wanted you to get a little more north-south. Did he talk to you about that? Is it- he really ain't talked to me about it. I mean, as far as punt return, that's more that more so of our returns. Like, and uh, I think I can do a better job at that on punt returns as far as just my initial going vertical. I'm, I'm happy with what I'm doing now. Can you keep up the space? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. That's the plan. Oh, it just in me, man. <laughs> I can keep it up, and um, I got that. I just got that mindset. So, long as I'm healthy and um, I'm good to go, I, I keep doing what I'm doing. Is there something about the schemes here that were different in Montreal that's allowed you to have more success? Uh, yeah, I would say different schemes and just just my mentality. You know, I, I done been hurt. You know, the past what year, two years, or whatever. So I'm just I'm just trying to show show this league and, and show the world that what I'm capable of. That's Mario Elford. Don't worry, bud. We know what you're capable of. Keep it going. Coach Craig Dickinson, we caught up with him at practice. No, Cody wasn't here today. Uh, we don't know if he'll be back um, tomorrow, but we think he will. You know, he had the baby last, I guess it would be this morning, early this morning. Um, he wasn't here today. Hopefully uh, he'll be able to come in tomorrow and meet. And we expect him to play in the game, but we'll play it by ear, you know. 
know that'll it just take pressure off him to have the baby now with the game that you just maybe i think his his pressure changes <laughs> you know <laughs> but uh, i'm sure it's a relief for both him and laura to have you know have the baby born and a healthy baby boy and and be able to now focus on uh, starting the life with with his new baby boy and, and getting getting back to work what did Teron Vaughn have you know yep baby boy also so we got two new rider uh, future riders hopefully in the next in the <laughs> maybe 24 years or so I think it changes their their perspective for sure I can I can only tell you what my brother told me when he had his baby girl and he said he was more motivated than ever to to play well and to do well for his family so um, I think it does change their perspective and I think it also grounds him a little bit he knew when he came home that Avery was going to be happy to see him no matter what and I think it takes a little pressure off the guys they realize they got they got a pretty good life and they got people that love them at home and uh, so I think it enhances their their lives in a lot of ways and I think it helps them as football players too just a little bit more injury update. Furland, Duke William. Furland uh, wasn't out here. All three of those guys are probably going to be down. Neither neither one of them practiced. Are you happy to practice some different weather this week as after a couple of months of 30 degrees, plenty of sunshine? Yeah, it was good to get a little cooler weather because we know those days are coming, and I thought our guys responded well and, and had good energy. So we know we know fall's in the air, and um, that's a good thing because anytime you're playing ball late in the season when it gets cold, you're hopefully playing in the playoffs and, and your season's going well. With a chance to eliminate Edmonton on Friday, does Friday's game feel like a playoff game? No, it doesn't for us. We, we, we know Edmonton's up against it, but we feel like we've got to play well for ourselves. You know, We're not really focused on... Um, we're focused on Edmonton, but our motivation is to play our best game and, and, and win a game at home. A very winnable game, we think, but a game that, that's very important to us, important to Edmonton as well. Um, but that's our focus. Have you noticed an improvement in Jerome Carter at cornerback since you said it? Yeah, he's gotten a little better. Yeah, he definitely uh, looks like he's got a little better feel for, for the defense and, and he's knocked the rust off. So, yeah, it looks like he's playing a little better. Is it hard to make that adjustment from receiver to DB? Yeah, I think it's really hard. I think it's it's hard enough to play pro sports at, at one spot, let alone two or three. So he's a phenomenal athlete. He's been asked to do a lot in his career and usually does it well. I feel they're all winnable. I mean, that's not a slap on, on anyone or, or a or knock on anyone. We feel if we play our best football, we can win any game. And we feel like we can beat Edmonton. We've beat them a couple times already this year. And we expect to win. Uh, we expect to come out, play hard, play well, and, and get the W. So it doesn't add any more pressure on us, but I think it, it, it keeps it real with our group. They know they need to play well. But if they do play well, we expect to have some good results. But you guys feel pressure to start putting together some wins here after the slide this team has been. Yeah, we, well, I don't know if the word is pressure, but urgency. We, we have to start playing better. Because um, regardless of whether you get in the playoffs or not, if you're not playing good football at the end, it's going to be a short ride. And we want to we want to try to play and, and play in that last game right here at our place. So we know we've got to start putting games together. We've got to start playing better as a team. And we've got to start putting some wins out there. But we've tried hard to focus on practice and the process, and, and hopefully the results will take care of themselves. Yeah, yeah, we do. I mean, we feel that's the beauty of, of playing and coaching here. You feel the noise and you feel you feel the love and you feel also some uh, some people that aren't happy with you. But that's that's part of, of of athletics. That's part of being in the stadium and being 
being uh, you know being a pro and being employed by the riders. So we feel we feel pressure, but the focus this week, honestly, is on ourselves and putting pressure on ourselves to play our best game. We feel like we we need to play better and that we're capable of doing that. And that's been the focus all week is playing for the group in that locker room and playing for each other. How do you assess how the team's played at home this year? Uh, inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been our whole season. You know, we started off fast, and we've been, I think, two and six in our last eight. So we're not playing as good as we should right now. That goes for on the road or at home. So we got to start putting them together. You know, we got to find find what was working for us. I think we're getting there. You, you see little glimpses of it, but we've got to be able to play 60 minutes as as a full team and try to try to put one together. They talk about owning your home field. You haven't really owned the home field. Is there something with that? Something going yeah, on? we want to. Yeah, you want to be good at home. All all championship teams have good home records and are, are tough outs at home so you know we feel like we have an advantage here because of the the crowd and the support we get and the noise so we want to take advantage of that and we want to reward our fans you know we, we appreciate their support and we want to play well in front of them we only got two left so we want to win them and we got to start hopefully on friday but um We've got to just put some wins together. I don't, I don't know if it's added pressure or just pressure in a general sense, but our guys feel it. They know we're running out of games, and we got to start playing better. Coach must just hate it. It's every day. It's the same questions. It's three times a week, he, and he does it with a smile. Like, he's not grumpy. He's not a jerk. Chris Jones, like, tweet. What's the tweet? <laughs> you know what I mean? That would be very tough, man. Oh, Imagine someone coming up to you every day and asking you if uh, if you if you I. If you, I, you know, yeah, I know. Doing good. I know. I know. You keep asking me. I'm like, leave me alone. Yeah. So. Anyway, when we come back, Logan Furlan on the other side of five o'clock news, we'll talk about football weekend in Saskatchewan as he came up through the ranks. And uh, we'll also uh, catch up with Bob Stoffer, the Oilers Radio Network, Farhan Lalji, and where are they now with Brian Peters? This is the Sports Cage for spreads.ca on 620. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. The show is brought to you by spreads.ca. Sign up using the code CKRM. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they're going to match your first deposit of 25 to $250. Voices cracking here. I'll tell you what. I used to, um, used to be critical of the former hosts of this show because they used to do this show with the door open. Okay? And you generally don't... Because you think you're a big deal if you have to open the door, right? You're this big deal. I can do whatever I want. I opened the door for the first time since doing this show because the the heat and the cooling in this is so off. One day you're hanging meat in here, and the next day I'm sweating like a sinner in church. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I... It's like I'm getting ready to go to confession, the Catholic I am. I got to tell the priest what I did. I'm just sweating bullets in here, so I opened the door. So anyway. He's cooling down. There's no meat being hanged. Hung. Hung. Uh, Hanged. Hangman. You know, Zinger. Hangman Dallas Page. AEW. Zinger's English is gooder. Just ask him. Ask me about it. You can see it on Saturday, too. Or see it like that. See it. See it. You can listen to it. Yeah. Okay. I'm off the air now. Yeah. And Zinger Zinger is going to be... I wonder how that's going to go. The play-by-play host of the broadcast on Saturday, 1-4, to the Regina Thunder against the Saskatoon Hilltops. 
And uh, then the late game has Daniela Ponticelli and Pete Pasco on the call. We're the regular voice of the Rams and the U.S. Huskies, a battle of 2-0 and teams. And, of course, football weekend in Saskatchewan is uh, brought to you by Sastel, uh, a proud sponsor of the Grey Cup Festival. And they're rolling out the green carpet, too, as they kick off the sponsorship with football weekend in Saskatchewan. So thanks to them for getting on board. One of the guys that uh, got his start back in Melfort. And went to the Thunder. Now on your Saskatchewan Rough Riders is Logan Furland. Who better to talk about uh, the football weekend than in Saskatchewan than Logan Furland, who joins us in the Western Pizza Hotline. How are you today, Logan? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Michael? Good, buddy. So uh, I'm not going... I told the uh, media guys... And girls, I'm not going to get too in-depth with your injury. Uh, The coach has mentioned before, your back seized up. I don't want to get into it too much except to say, I've never been a professional football player. I've played football. I've never played uh, on the offensive line where it's a car crash at every play. But I can tell you, I've tweaked my back before. That is not fun. Is that kind of what you're going through right now? Because back injuries suck. I can't even imagine Mario Lemieux at the end of his career getting people to tie his skates just so he could play an NHL game. Uh, yeah, it's not it's not the funnest injury to go through, but you know, like any injury, it's, it's going to take some time, and just got to be smart with it. And hopefully, I'm I'm back on the field here soon. Yeah. So, uh, what's the mood like here? That was a <clears throat> I watched that game. Uh, obviously calling it on the weekend and it was uh it was awful but the behind the scenes a lot of guys coaches players were sick that's one i think you just throw in the trash can right yeah i mean it's, it's one of those games uh all you can do is, is try to focus on the positives um and really the, the the good takeaways there was you know we we battled through a lot of pain i mean just you know seeing the text the guys were sending as throughout the the couple of days out there um it's amazing we even pulled off playing that game. Uh, so, you know, it hats off to those guys. They battled through it, and I was lucky enough not to get sick. But I can't even imagine what those guys went through, and uh, definitely some Warriors on this team, for sure. Yeah, let's talk about the Warriors that don't get any credit, except, uh, you know, uh, when, when their fellow teammates call them out in a positive way. The only time we talk about the offensive line, when they're giving up sacks, when they miss blocks, when they take penalties, uh, your whole job is to give up your body for the success of others. That's the interesting and unique thing about being on the offensive line, and I think that's why you guys are such a brethren. I, You know, I went into that game, I'm looking at this O-line, you got Bandy, you got Evan Johnson, you got Josiah, who got sick partway through that game at left guard replacing you. Uh, you got uh, Lauderdale, and then you got a new guy starting, Cooper Richardson. And on the broadcast, I said, our defense needs to dig in here, because I'm not sure what's going to happen with this offensive line with all the constant changes and consistency. And I thought the offensive line was a bright spot. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on Cooper Richardson. Uh, I thought he did a great job in his first start. Absolutely. I, you know, I've I've known Cooper was going to be, um, you know, that guy the whole time. He's he's been uh, something else in practice. He's been a stud, and I knew he was ju- he was just waiting for that opportunity. And once he got it, he he, he nailed it, and uh, really speaks to his dedication. And, and uh, you know, he he comes from a football family, and um, you know, he works very hard every day and puts puts the time in. And I know he was just waiting for that opportunity and. He was one of the sickest guys out there, I heard, and um, he battled through it and, and still locked down Jeff Code and Jefferson uh, all games. You know, 
I don't think he gave up one pressure that game at right tackle, and, and that's that's pretty impressive in itself, let alone, uh, you know, coming from what, the, the sickness he was dealing with there. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised by that guy, but uh, it's, it's going to be awesome seeing him grow. It's not easy in the in the season to take over as center. We know that Dan Clark is the quarterback of the offensive line. Encouraging news, he's practicing more, and uh, by the end of the year, hopefully he'll be on the roster playing as you guys go down the stretch run here and into the playoffs as you try to secure a playoff spot. But just talk about the job Logan Bandy's done stepping in there. Oh, he's amazing. I mean, when I played one snap of center last year, it was a whirlwind, and you know, especially being in your first year and, and jumping into that spot and especially how many games Bandy has played and how well he's played. Uh, you know, he's been the top performer pretty much every week on the O-line uh, jumping into that spot. That's impressive he's even in there and impressive that, that he's been the top performer on top of that. So, um, you know, really, really proud of Bandy. And um, like, like we say, there's no matter who's in any position on the offensive line, uh, we're going to have their back, and they're expected to play just like uh, Dan were in there or whoever's, whoever's in there, a veteran or uh, whoever that case may be. And, you know, he's he's doing a great job, and he continues to improve week by week, and it only gets better from here. Now, you've given up a lot of sacks this year. There's no doubt about that. How much does that have to do with the uh, inconsistency and the Rolodex of players that have kind of been going through there? Is that a legitimate excuse, or is that just an excuse at the end of the day? Like what, what, and how do you feel about this O-line right now? Take the stats aside. Do you feel like you're kind of going in the right direction, even though you're trying to get back in to the lineup after this injury here? Yeah, at the end of the day, we, we don't want to make any excuses, um, but continuity on the O-line makes makes a huge uh, part of it and it's it's extremely hard to play when when you don't have that kind of shoot of players but you know the guys in that film room at the end of the day are the guys that I care about you know we care about each other very much like like you said we're we're brethren and and we're going to do whatever it takes to keep the energy positive in there um, and at the end of the day um, the people in that film room are the only ones opinions we care about and if if anyone else is in there, um, they would see it how we see it, and and maybe not as not as bad as everyone thinks from the outside. So I think it's it's really important to just this continuity as much as we can, and hopefully we get a lot more of it close to the end of the season. Logan uh, Logan Furlan joining us here. Uh, we're going to talk to him quickly about football weekend in Saskatchewan, but I want to ask you, you got the Edmonton Elks coming to town. you got a chance to eliminate them, and remarkably, if you win, you'll end a four-game slide on home turf. Like This team hasn't been under 500 since Zach Kalaros <clears throat> was the Riders quarterback and got knocked out by Simone Lawrence in the first three plays of the 2019 season. That's That's been a nice stretch here now, but... Would you consider this a must-win, uh, this game here on Friday? Absolutely. It's going to sound cliche, but every week's a must-win. And uh, this, this week is no different. I mean, it's, you know, it's going to feel that much better when we, we can knock these guys out of the playoff spots. Um, there's no doubt about it, but you know, we, we go into each game feeling like it's a must-win. Logan, you came from Melfort, the Melfort Comets. Tell me about how you came from there to join the Regina Thunder football team. Uh, well, when I was uh, trying out, well, really when I was just looking initially at teams, uh, I was just kind of going off my gut feeling. I knew I was going to be in a junior team just with 
went being in the trades. Um, wasn't a big university guy. Not, I don't learn from, from lecture classes, so I'm a hands-on guy. So, I, you know, I knew carpentry was something I wanted to pursue. So, you know, that being said, going the junior route, um, Thunder, I, I chose just because of the feeling I had at uh, my first camp. It just felt like a family felt like a program that really cares about your development and not just winning championships, although that's very important. Um, but I felt like I could be developed there. And, and also being in Regina, there was that chance to be on the Rough Riders, just like Dan Clark had done it. And, and that's really what brought me there. Yeah, no kidding, man. And talk about that, because the Thunder under Murad El-Khatib, their president, done a great job offering scholarships. Back when I played junior football with the Regina Rams, it was a working man's league. I wasn't ready to go to broadcast school or university. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to play football. I stayed, I played, and it was mostly like that. It wasn't university. A few guys went to university, but the scholarships weren't offered like they are now with the Regina Thunder. So that aspect is good, but just talk about why it's important to have have junior football in Canada. Oh, it's it's incredibly important that you, you can't you can't have 160 guys on a university roster. So, you know where where do those other guys go that are extremely talented? And that's junior. The junior fills that void. And junior, um, whether it's a stepping stone to university or whether it's a stepping stone to CFL, uh, which it's proven to be, um, junior provides that rock for guys and. Uh, you know, people people bash it quite a bit, but junior ball is very competitive, and I think uh, Dan and myself and, and so many other guys have proven that it doesn't matter where you go; you can you can still make that step up to the CFL. It just matters uh, how much work you put in. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Like, I just off the top of my head, there's you, there's there's Clarky, there's Getzlaff, there's Waldo, there's Stu Ford. Those are just five off the top of my head. And yeah, Rory Kohler from the Blue Bombers, O'Neill Titan guy. You had uh, Andrew Harris, maybe the greatest running, greatest Canadian running back in CFL history coming from the junior football ranks. I, I think we forget about this. Jeff Hecht always talks about this. The most important thing in the CFL is the C, isn't it, Logan? <laughs> yeah, you betcha. That's a very important part of it. It's what makes it, uh, it's what makes it Canadian. It's, it's what makes it its brand. So I think it's very important we keep that. Yeah, and just talk about how cool it is to have a football weekend in Saskatchewan here. Some of the best, like, hey, listen, I love being the voice of the Riders, calling Logan Furlan's name, but some of my favorite games is when Logan Furlan was on the Regina Thunder. Some of the best football I've watched in the last five years isn't NFL or CFL. It, it, it isn't NCAA. It's junior football, youth sports football, even high school and amateur football. Just talk about having a weekend that celebrates that here coming up Friday, Saturday. Oh, it's it's pretty exciting, and it really speaks to Sask football and how far it's come. I mean, we've always been known as a tough round of football, and I think it's one of the best places you can play in Canada, and, and this weekend's going to show that, and there's going to be some exciting games, and uh, I don't think anyone's going to be disappointed after this weekend. So, and lastly, Logan Furlan, before I let you go, how important is it for you to be a role model uh, for the next guy that wants to come from Ituna or Esther Hazy or Melford or Regina Minor Football? I want to be the next Logan Furland. You know, that really is everything to me. That's, that's what keeps me motivated every day, um, just to continue to motivate others, and I came from a 
I had to put a lot of that work in myself and, you know, Dan as well. Um, and that, that's, that's really what keeps me motivated every day. And, and really, uh, being a tradesman as well, you don't see many, many guys in the trade or with their journeyman ticket, uh, do what we do. And just to, to be that inspiration to others is, is really is everything to me. And, and, uh, just shows what hard work can, can really achieve. Hey man, what what kind of truck do you drive? Because I, I walked past you in the parking lot. You tried to show me your cash flow low truck. What kind of truck is that? <laughs> that was uh, oh, that one's gone. I sold that. That was a S ten. Oh, yeah, a little S ten. So what are you driving now? I was I was my question was going to be you want to get your next CFL contract so you can buy that big fancier truck. Uh, yeah, too late for that. I uh, <laughs> upgraded a little bit to a. To uh, I've lifted uh, Silverado here, so I can use it for my, my construction business. But uh, nice, yeah. So it's uh, definitely the big brother of the S10. That one wasn't doing it for me. Do you get to do uh, Do you get to do any of that uh, handyman carpentry work during the season, or is that just a six month deal when the rider season's done? I, I try to a little bit, but I, I also just like focusing on the season, and it gets just to be too much labor wise. I'd rather just focus on the season. And in the off season, uh, keep myself afloat with my with my clientele there. So okay, proudest proudest moment in that industry before I let you go. Squeeze one more in here. What's the proudest thing you've ever constructed? Proudest thing? Oh, probably uh, when I was doing some some log cabins out of Aurora Cabins in Belle Plaine. I was. Uh, yeah, we were we were doing some log cabins, and man, that is exciting to do. And hopefully, I get to do some more of that uh, later. But framing one of those uh, by yourself is man, it's it's a lot of fun, and just leading a crew, it's it's quite a bit of fun doing that stuff. So I like uh, I like doing the you know maybe not so normal thing in in the construction field. It's uh, it keeps things exciting. That's awesome, man. Is that more satisfying than coming around the corner and pancaking Willie Jefferson or uh, Donald Rutledge Jr.? <laughs> I mean, that, that takes the cake probably. <laughs> for, uh, over the construction world, I'd definitely rather pancake one of those guys. Yeah, and you don't have 20,000 people cheering, bring them out, bring them out as you go to construct a, a, a bookshelf or something. Hey, Logan, thanks, thanks, yeah, for, exactly. thanks for your time, man. Uh, best luck getting back on the field. You're one of the good dudes and one of the good inspirations in our community, a reason why we're having football weekend in Saskatchewan. Thanks, Logan. Take care. Awesome. Take care, Michael. All right, that's Logan Furlan joining us. Sass Tell, a proud sponsor of the Great Cup Festival and the rolling out the green carpet for football weekend in Saskatchewan. We'll be back to talk with Bob Stoffer of the Oilers Radio Network in a moment on 620 CKRM. All right, here with the color analyst of the Edmonton Oilers on their radio network. You catch him on the intermissions, too, as Sportsnet during the Oiler broadcast. Bob Stoffer, friend of the show. Uh, before we get to hockey, because I know you're driving to catch a plane to go to the rookie tournament, uh, you're in Edmonton. What about those Elks who come here Friday? Well, you know, I'm going into year 15 and doing the Oilers, but I mentioned this to you before, Michael. There was almost a time when Rick Wallace-Sher was president of the then Edmonton Eskimos, and Danny Machocha was on the precipice of uh, replacing Hugh Campbell as the, the GM. This was right around the time that there was going to be a, uh, a salary management system in place for the CFL, and I met with the Eskimos at that time about building a uh, Canadian scouting department. And I believe in a domestic league, and the CFL is a domestic league, 
you're only as good as your worst domestic players. And it is clear that uh, you guys know all about Chris Jones in Saskatchewan. Um, the Elks, this has not gone the way anybody thought it was going to go. I'll, I'll be frank with you. Uh, I didn't think it'd be this bad. Uh, they re-signed Taylor Cornelius today out of OK State. You know, I don't. He must. You know, I, I guess we'll see on that front. But it's been a tough year. They can't beat anybody in the uh, Western Division. And when you're trying to make the, the playoffs here in the West Division, that's a problematic situation. To be frank with you, I do think Jones is an upgrade on Brock Sutherland. Um, but there was a time at which I can name the entire defense of the 78-82 uh, uh, Grey Cup Eskimos. Joe Holloman and uh, you know Larry Highbaugh in the corners. Ed not too tall Jones and Greg Butler in the halves. Pete Lavarato, Emilio Fredo were the safeties. The linebackers were Tom Towns and Dale Potter. Dale Potter was a teacher of mine. Danny Ray Kepley was a middle <laughs> linebacker. So if you get where I'm going here, right? They had Ron Estey and, uh, on the edge, uh, York Henschel and Dr. Death, David Pinnell inside along with David Boone. I can't name five guys on the Elks because they keep rotating players in and out of the lineup. It's unbelievable. And I know injuries play a factor in it. But there's not enough continuity on a game-by-game -game basis for the Elks, and it's played a factor in undermining their success this season. Yeah, it certainly has. When Chris Jones was here and you referenced that, we didn't have as a tight a cap system in terms of you know the, the guys you could bring in, the coaching cap, so they could uh, treat it like an NFL combine after every practice. So it's not going to be as easy for Jones to turn it around in Edmonton. But it looks like the hockey team's finally turning around. Let's be honest, you were eight wins away from the Stanley Cup, and I think it was a great offseason for the hockey team. Well, I mean, the Oilers, yeah, I'd say it's about time. Like, you know, and, and it's interesting. Edmonton's the only team, Michael, in the NHL that's got all 10 of their first-round picks in the last 10 years in their organization. Uh, you know, granted, they got gifted from the gods not once but twice. Yeah. Because they won the lottery when, when they got Leon third in 2014 and then obviously Connor in 2015. They've got a, a real good young core that's coming behind McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Darnell Nurse. We're the leadership of the team, and, and that group includes, you know, uh, Yamamoto and uh, uh, Evan Bouchard and Ryan McLeod. And we're going to Penticton, and the Oilers are the team that played in the conference final, and Winnipeg and Vancouver missed the playoffs. Flames had a good year and had a good offseason, too. But we're going to Penticton, and Edmonton's got the most first-round draft choices at that tournament, in that event. I mean, it's called the Canucks Young Stars Tournament, and the Canucks don't have any first-rounders there. <laughs> so, you know, it, we're, I'm looking forward to it. It's also a sign that we're getting back to normal. Yeah. You know, it's been a tough year for everybody out there. I went at that Penticton tournament uh, every year from 2010 to 2017. We lost that tournament uh, in the lockout year in 12-13, so we didn't see Yakupov there. But it's a fun event, and uh, Penticton's a beautiful place, as many people in Saskatchewan know. So let's get after it. Hey, uh, you mentioned Yakupov. That year, Ryan Murray was a guy that could have been picked by the Oilers, and now he's with Edmonton. What do you think he can add to this team, if anything? Oh, I think Ryan Murray's probably going to play 50 or 60 games. It's just you need 10 defensemen in your organization if you're going to take a run in the playoffs, and Ryan's a significant upgrade as a number seven defenseman for the Oilers. Like, you know, uh, he's there's, there's going to be injuries. Ryan hasn't been able to stay healthy. It's interesting. Stu McGregor was the Oilers' head scout at the time that pick was made. Like I mentioned this to you before, Stu was my midget double-A coach in Edmonton with the Southside Athletic Club. 
there was overwhelming support in the fan base to take Yakupov number one. Steve Tamalini was the GM and had kind of geared the scouts towards taking Murray. He wanted, you know, a reliable, dependable, and he thought they needed a defenseman over a forward. And, you know, you look at that draft and Galchenyuk went, so Yak went one, Murray went two, Galchenyuk went three. Griffin Reinhardt went four. Morgan Riley was playing a moose jock, played about 10 games that year, blew out his knee. It's a tough draft to gauge. So, uh, But I do think Murray, out of what White City, Saskatchewan, I think there's an opportunity uh, for him to see some significant ice time this year. Bob Stoffer joining us here. Bob, who had the better off season? Honestly, take off your Oiler glasses. Who had the better off season, the Oilers or the Flames? Well, I, I got to say, like, you got to give uh, – you got to give Brad for leaving credit. Like you, t- you take a look at the dealt, you know, the cards that he was dealt, and you know, Goodrow bails on them, and then Kachuk tells him he's not going to resign, and he could have cowered into a corner, Michael, and instead he came back swinging. He made a great trade for Huberto and Weger, and then he was able to out- outlast and outweigh and outplay everybody else. It was like Survivor to get uh, to get Nazem Kadri. So I-, I personally believe the Calgary Flames have a better team than they had last year. I also believe the Edmonton Oilers have a better team than they had last year. So it should be a heck of a run for top spot in the Pacific Division this season. And lastly, before you board the plane, what you know, what do you make of Jack Campbell? Are you pretty happy with the, the, the Stu and Campbell combination there? Yeah, nice. Nicely done. I'm going to use that. Uh, you know, Mike Smith, the problem with Mike Smith is he couldn't stay healthy. So Campbell's 10 or 12 years younger, and he's just at a different place in his career. And I think he's the right temperament for the Oilers players as well he takes a lot of personal ownership i'm looking forward to seeing what campbell could do and i think that skinner's ready for 20 to 25 game duty as a backup so let's let's get going here well i'm in football mode but i'm happy hockey's back and you're going to be a regular on this show have a safe flight my friend and we'll talk soon call anytime whenever i hear this song i'm thinking nebraska it's third and 18 and then everybody stands up and they're playing this they actually roll the music like about five seconds away from the snap of the ball. It's crazy, man. Not like they need help with 86,000 there. Ballsy here in the big chair over on the other side. Sean Kleisinger shows brought to you by spreads.ca. We're tight for time, so let's get right on the Western Pizza hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. Talk with Farhan Lalji, our man on the scene. Monday night football, he made the jaunt across the border to watch Russell Wilson's return to Seattle, and he got booed, man. I, I don't think that relationship ended that well, did it? No, it really didn't on so many levels, you know, and, and quite often, honestly, Ballsy, with these kinds of things, fans don't always know what's going on, right? Like, you, you know, they, they talk about how the media is bad and we're trying to paint this guy bad and, you know, make everybody look bad and create controversy and stir it up. It's, it's not really, you know, it's not really like that in this case, right? I mean, uh, I think Russell Wilson got celebrated for all the good he did, but at the last couple of years it got pretty toxic, and I think fans, as much as anything else, we're tired of the drama. And, you know, when you get a scenario where, like, how many great quarterbacks are there in the NFL, right? Like, there's probably five or six great ones, mm-hmm. and then there's another five or six good ones, and then there's a whole lot of ordinary, and people who are in the ordinary are freaking out, trying to get out of the ordinary. And the Seahawks and their fan base are willing to go into that pool of, of mess and muck because they just needed this thing to end. And, it, you know, so I, I'm surprised still. Like, you know, ultimately he's the best Seahawk ever. And got him their own super only Super Bowl, and you know there'll come a time when he's going to get celebrated. But 
Uh, I thought it would be like 60-40 against. It was like 90-10 against. It was not good at all. I shouldn't say not good. It was really, really one-sided. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I do think it affected him a bit. I think part of our problem in society now is, like, especially when it comes to politics, is no real – I mean, there's a few good ones, but most of them are just – Nobody else wants to be a politician because they don't want their family dragged into it because of social media and everything like that. And even even in sports, you never want to admit you're wrong because it's always going to stick to you. But I had to give Nathaniel Hackett credit, Farhan. He admitted he was wrong. That was a stupid move to go for the 64-yard field goal. Give it to Russell Wilson. You brought him in here for that exact reason. Well, and you paid him $245 million on, on his new contract, right? I mean, that's exactly why you brought him in. And you're not in Denver kicking into altitude where the air is thinner, right? And I get that he can do it in practice or in free game, but it's different. And, um, you know, the way they did the whole thing, because, you know, I think they were late in making the decision because they were trying to draw them offside, but not really. Mm -hmm. By the time they got set at the line of scrimmage after letting the clock run, there really wasn't any time to even get set and try to bark to try to draw them offside. So I think the whole thing was kind of mishandled, and it was a bad decision. And I'm I'm glad he owned it because I, I don't know that it was defensible. And certainly not the way you want to end your first game as a head coach. Player safety is a big deal in football. Those guardian caps, they're making them wear them and practice in the NFL. I know NCAA teams are wearing it. I don't know if U sports teams are wearing it. I know CFL guys, I haven't seen them with the riders, not off the top of my head. Um, but I, there might be a day where we actually see guardian caps on full time. I think if they're serious about it, they might have to logo those suckers up and put them on helmets. Yeah, maybe. I mean, look, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with them because I brought them into the high school where I coached probably about eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's funny, I remember we were using them for two years, and then Wally Bono called me into his office one day. He's like, hey, uh, take a look at these. What do you think? Uh, you know, I'm thinking of ordering them. I thought maybe you want to know for high school. I said, yeah, Wally, we've been using them for two years. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it's a good product. They look a lot like seven-on-seven seven helmets, right? Like mm-hmm. the soft skull caps that the guys wear. Um, and I think it's valuable, and I know that J.J. Watt and others were critical of it. Uh, it certainly makes practice sound different because you don't get the plastic-on-plastic plastic noise. But I, I do think it's a good thing. And, I mean, you know, because in practice now you see very little padded work, but you still see helmets. And, um, you know, you, you do hear that sound because guys go pretty hard even when they don't have pads on. So I, I think it's wise, but I don't think we're going to see it in-game. I think that might take a while. I, I still try to wrap my head around, like, Joey Bosa's helmet. Right, like it, it, in San Diego, like it's it's weird, isn't it? it? You know, it almost looks like a cycling helmet. It does, um, yeah. So it we're does. probably we're probably going to see more iterations of that before we go to a soft shell. But you like never say never in this world. All right, VA is the starting quarterback for the BC Lions. I feel like this is his last chance to prove he's a starting quarterback. Man, this is it. He's got all the weapons around, and they've got a nice sports car. Can he get it off the driveway and get it down the highway? That's the big question. Well, I hope he can get out of the garage to start with because they're going to be likely missing Sook Chung this weekend. So for oh, wow. the first time all season, um, they are going to have a change along their offensive line. And Andrew Pearson will, will be going in, kind of an undersized guy that's been with the organization for about three years. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how he fares. But, I mean, this is, you know, th- these are where, where ratio challenges come in, right? And certainly the Riders have had to deal with that a lot this year, right, because it's tough to find those backups and, and develop legitimate depth. So I think I think that's going to be a real challenge for him to just get protected, right? And I know the the Stamps blitz have been blitzing less in recent weeks than they had previously, but boy, if I'm them and I see VA and I see some changes along the offensive line, I probably come pretty aggressively. But look, I've watched him in practice. I was there today, and he looked good. He was the ball was getting out on time. He was he was accurate. Um, 
certainly an upgrade over Antonio Pipkin, right? Like, there's just no question about that. But mm-hmm. the offense is going to look different. They can't have the Nathan Rourke system where, you know, you can split the field in half and do a bunch of different things. And, you know, you're, you're going to have to get through a couple of progressions, know where your hots are, uh, and also move the pocket from time to time. I think it'll be a smaller call sheet for Jordan McSimmick. But, um, you know, I, I think they're in a better place than they have been for the last two weeks. Farhan, it was a nice talk, but a short one. We'll talk to you next week. Have a great weekend, my friend. All right, take care. Enjoy the games. Thanks. That's Farhan Lalji joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. We take a trip down memory lane next on the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. Speak with reverence or scream out loud. The names that help define us, inspire us, and build the game that we all love. Each Wednesday on the Sports Cage, we flash to the past with a legend to see if there is indeed life beyond the scoreboard. This is Where Are They Now? And today's spotlight shines on former Saskatchewan Rough Rider linebacker Brian Peters, who helped this football team win a Grey Cup the last time they hosted the big game. This guy was money in the bank for the Rough Riders before he went to the NFL with the Houston Texans. And speaking of investing, I know you were meeting with a financial planner, you told me. Did you always have an eye on uh, life after football in terms of managing your money and knowing what you want to do after the game? Um, yeah, the, the biggest part is actually getting money in the first place. Uh, that, that, that was why my focus was so much on the strength training and uh, learning about the game of football and all those kind of things. But, I mean, once uh, once I was in a position to start investing and taking care of myself in the future and all that stuff, it's the same kind of concept. I just started learning, um, reading books and finding the right uh, people. And I, I interviewed a bunch of financial advisors. Um, my knowledge is pretty limited, so I, I had a couple other people I was talking to that give me some guidance, and eventually I found a guy that I liked that looked out for me in the short term and the long term and educated me in the process and um, was very transparent with the fees that go into, like, mutual fund management and that right. kind of stuff, too. And, that, and like, those hidden fees and that kind of stuff uh, drastically affects, like, your compounding effect of your money over time. So. Um, all those things combined, like I just, again, like I try and find the best in a lot of things and hopefully I'm in a safe, um, kind of aggressive, safely aggressive situation financially, but it's just, again, it's just, uh, it's part of life. And the first couple of years in the NFL, I wasn't as responsible with it. I was pretty immature and just assumed like I'll take care of it in the future and all those kind of things. But, um, I kind of I wised up and got responsible and started learning and those kind of things, and everything's kind of taken care of itself since then. Who's the best back that Brian Peters has ever played against? Hmm. Let's see here. Derrick Henry wasn't as, as dominant as he was when I, like, I, like, I didn't get a, lot, a bunch of tread on defense, but when I did, like, I played a, a decent amount against Titans. Yeah. So I played against Fournette and Henry, but Henry wasn't really the dog he was right now. Who was nasty? I didn't get against, play against Kamara. I, uh, I guess I, I played against, uh, McCaffrey his rookie year. Yeah. Briefly. You got a bunch of dynamic guys across the board now too and like everybody's starting to play these younger backs and a bunch of like third down backs so you don't see like the three down backs as much. Bunch of moving parts, but I mean that, that's a fun part of the process and like again, what a fun part of being like a GM and a pro personnel guy. When you played in the NFL, did you play fantasy? How interesting was that to to maybe play fantasy football when you played in the NFL because I don't think that's against the rules per se. No, not yet. Yeah, not if you like you're not as long as you're not like playing for money. And then, like, in in my league as well, like we play for punishment. So okay. like instead of like trying to win the league, I mean everybody tries to win, but 
uh, you tried not to lose as well. Like, so the the last place team has to take the ACT, which is like the standardized testing to get into college here in the United States. And then uh, second to last has to do a 10-minute stand-up routine. And then third to last has to do like a 12-month seasonal calendar of pictures. So, um, well, you'd, you'd be okay so, with that. You could do that, man, with that body. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, do, I do great with the calendar, but no, I'm actually still on the line uh, for a couple of years ago. I haven't been back to Chicago, but all my guys in Chicago who I play with. But uh, yeah, a decent amount of guys play fantasy. But honestly, like I like I never really cared too much about it, so I'd like forget to set my lineup and those kind of things. Cause, yeah. And I like if, if I ever lost, I just would I just play the. Oh, sorry guys, I'm playing real football, 3D football. <laughs> so I love it. Uh, that's. Yeah, that always worked for me. That's awesome. Hey, have we made it too easy on the offense with these rule changes? Like, I can't imagine playing defense <laughs> in football. Like, you can't tackle a guy. You can't touch a guy. You can't even tackle him now below his nameplate, and they're calling penalties. To me, and I'm an offensive guy by nature, but to me watching this, Brian, it's like we're making it like the NBA three-pointer now. Like, now in the NBA, there's no, like, mid-range jump shot. It's either slam dunk or three-pointers. The NFL, it's like 40-36, 42-34. To me, too much of anything is no good. Um, Yeah, I just uh, – I think they need to let the boys play a little bit more. Um, Obviously, the refs didn't get their preseason to iron out some deals, so hopefully some of these penalties start going down a little bit. You, you're referring – you're. You're, wait, you're referring to the scoring? You're referring to the penalties? Sorry. I'm referring. I'm referring to the well. The scoring's going up, but the penalties help it go up. Go up. For instance, how about this one? This is the one I hate the most. So a team, let's say the uh, let's say the Browns are, uh, you know, they're they're uh, second and twenty six, and the Steeler guy gets called for a five yard defensive holding penalty and an automatic first down. I think that's the most ridiculous penalty in the NFL. That automatic first down on a five yard defensive holding penalty. Oh, I, I can. Completely agree, and like obviously, like defense, particularly defense events, continue to gripe uh, pretty loud about it. But um, yeah, like those those little things that we we brought up. So I was a PA rep for the NFLPA for a few years, and we brought things like that up to the competition committee and those kind of things. But most of the stuff they listen to us on is really health and safety related, the pass interference reviews and all those kind of stuff. That was all them. And you guys are still doing that in the CFL, correct? Yeah, we're doing that. And we were the ones that moved the extra point back as well, which I think is a good football rule. But you're a special teams guy. Why? Like, you tell me this. Why can kickers go out, and if you ask them to kick 10 32-yard field goals, they probably make all 10, if not 9. But you watch them go out and kick extra points, and they can't make an extra point. Why do you think that is? Do you think mentally guys, including the kickers, let up from 32 yards on an extra point because it's only one point and not three? I, I mean, I hope not. Honestly, like, I, I'd have to talk to, like, uh, like I'm still good buddies with uh, Kayumi Fairburn down in uh, yeah. Houston, but... Uh, I. I would assume they try not to treat anything different. Like I don't think an extra point should be anything, especially with the like with I I, I think what's it? I think it's eighty three percent right now extra points, or is it eighty yeah, seven? Yeah, I like can't eight, remember. yeah, and right that, around there. Yeah, yeah. Which again, which that's a, like missing an extra point changes the inc- complete dynamic of the fourth quarter usually. So I would hope they don't treat it differently. I'd hope, but like again, like. I mean, I don't know. There, there seems like there's a lot of stress on kickers now for missing. Like, there's a lot more kicker turnover in the past two years than I think there's ever been in the NFL. 
think things like that. It's like, I don't know. Like, it's kind of like how I play golf. Like I try and hit the ball as hard as I can to, uh, <laughs> uh, on, on every shot just to remove error. Last question for you, Brian Peters. And I thank you for taking time out of your schedule here. So, um, the NFL kickoff, how do you feel about that? It's mostly useless. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. I, uh, I, I don't know. I was personally, I was more productive when we got the running start. So, yeah. uh, I think it, uh, it, it allows for, I guess, a little more pure speed to be exposed. Like, I'm much better with a running start than I am at, like, getting 240 pounds moving fast for the first 10 yards from a standstill start. But, um, I mean, I, like, I'm never going to argue against health and safety. Like, is it our concussions down 20% or whatever they're saying from the kickoff being moved back? Yes, but we're also – experiencing probably 20 to 30 percent less returns if not more so it's just uh I, i'm not a, i'm not a fan being a special teams guy because i want that facet of the game and that 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 third phase of the game to be timeless like i, I think it's just uh i think it's limiting guys opportunity to make plays and special teamers to become career guys now there's more turnover it seems like because it's not as important because now you only have one tackling which is the only stat you get on special teams, really, besides returners. So for guys like myself, I want as many opportunities to hone my craft and produce and be relevant, and I think that takes away from that side of the sport. And if you're going to keep doing that and keep talking about removing onside kicks for for a fourth and 20 scenario and stuff like that, you're talking about eliminating a part of the game that's influenced the game for 100 years. So I don't know. I always enjoy my chats with you, man. Thanks for this. I appreciate it. Sounds good, man. Take care. Oh, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. The show is brought to you by spreads.ca. <clears throat> Sign up using the code CKRM. Get 15 free spins on the slot machine for a chance to win $1 million. We'll talk football, Saskatchewan weekend, in a minute brought to you by SaskTel. Well, at the end of the show, not a minute. It's a few minutes because we got to get the John Hodge of Three Down Nation our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. When you order Western Pizza, it's a perfect meal that fits your hectic summer schedule. As we're coming to the end of summer, it's good in the fall, it's good in the spring, good in the winter. It's awesome. Outstanding. Also, uh, our text line powered by Capital Ford Lincoln at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua, the number one Ford dealership in the province. I'm Michael Ball. That's my great producer, Sean Kleisinger, just ahead of heading out in the Western Pizza Hotline. Do we have a couple of texts we can address there, Zinger? Yeah, Peter in Vancouver was wondering if the Riders lose uh, this game on Friday night. They're not, but yeah. Yeah, if they lose this game... <laughs> we already know the answer to this, but he was wondering, do, will the Riders make a change in the front office coaching this season? Well, they're not going to do it this game. Well, no, because they're not done. Listen, <laughs> I'm telling you what. I told you this, and I'll tell you it again. The Rough Riders are going to put it together. Mm -hmm. They're going to go through the East. They're going to win the East semifinal. And then it's a coin flip game for the East final against the Toronto Argonauts. And I really, it's a tough to beat a team three times. They beat us when they shouldn't have been Halifax. And they played our B team, some would say some of our C team, and almost lost here in Regina in the second half. So, no, the Rough Riders are playing in the Grey Cup. They're playing in the Grey Cup, most likely against Winnipeg, but I wouldn't be shocked if it's Calgary. And BC might win one more game. So the Riders will finish 9-9, nine and nine, and BC will finish 9-9, nine and nine, and BC, I think the first tiebreaker is head-to-head. -head. So BC will go in the West, the Riders will go in the East. That's how it's going to work out. Mm. 
Like, am I the only one that can see this? Mark is on the text line, and Mark says there's no way that uh, the riders can make a coaching change or a GM uh, change after, uh, you know, one down season after three for these guys. Well, I, I mean, that's not necessarily true, especially when you should... Uh, if they don't, if they listen, if they don't make the playoffs or they go out early and they have a sub five hundred record, I believe something will happen. I don't know what's going to happen. I can, I'm not calling for anything to happen because I don't do that. Because what you, when you shoot arrows at somebody else, they come shooting back at you tenfold. So I'm not saying that, but I, I would have a tough time believing they'll stay status quo if they don't improve a lot down the back stretch here and, and make some noise in the playoffs. Hmm. Um. Yeah, interesting. Well, you know what happened? 2013 screwed it up for us. 2013, we won a Grey Cup, home turf, so everybody thinks you got to do it every time you host a Grey Cup. We want to do it every year, but we'll see. Anyways, let's go to the uh, Western Pizza Hotline, talk to John Hodge of Three Down Nation. How are you, John? I'm doing great, Ballsy. How about you? Oh, I'm doing well. John, so that is, like, yeah, you. some people can laugh at me, but that's a plausible argument. I think the Rough Riders have a, that's their really only shot of being in their own Grey Cup is going through the East. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, the West Division, I, as you mentioned, BC might not win a lot of games down the stretch, but, I mean, to catch them at this point for third place is going to be tough. And, and, frankly, I'm not sure you'd want to. Right, even if you could, yeah, I don't. If I had the choice, I, I don't want to go to McMahon and then IG Field. I mean. It's kind of like right now, John, it's kind of like right now I'm watching the Blue Jays, and the Blue Jays are beating on Tampa, okay? Why would you want to beat? I know the integrity of the game and everything. I get it. But my, in my mind, I'm like, why would you want to beat on Tampa? You want to just kind of middle around so you can play Cleveland in the first round of the playoffs. You have a better chance of beating the Cleveland Guardians, who are going to win that pathetic AL Central, instead of going like through Tampa in the playoffs. I don't get it. <laughs> Yeah, no, no football person, you know, coach, player, personnel, individual, anybody would ever admit it on the record. But there's no way that, and this is not the first year it's happened, right? It's happened with previous teams in the West who, who have finished fourth place and gone through a soft East division, or at least had an opportunity to go through a soft East division. There's no way that these people, as much as, again, they won't admit it publicly, there's no way they're not thinking in the back of their mind, hey, these, we, we got easier games coming up than if we had to stay in the West. So I'm sure people are doing that math behind closed doors. And while it's true that nobody's ever made it to the Grey Cup through the crossover, it, it's only a matter of time. Yeah, but the Riders almost did it with a 65-year-old quarterback and Brandon Bridge who at times couldn't hit water from a boat. <laughs> and it was, only a, it was only a Ricky Ray pass to James Wilder Jr. and a Cody Fajardo one-yard run that kept the Riders from being the first team to do it. That's an excellent point, right? That James Wilder Jr. catch. Um, I think it was, yeah, third down. Something like third and, and 13. Yeah. Ricky Ray. Yeah. You know, that, that's, like a, that's like a 5% play, right? And full credit to, to the Argos and, and James Wilder Jr. at the time for, for making it. But you're right. And, and uh, it, it's, it's a matter of time. And by the way, how amazing would it be to have Winnipeg as the home team at Mosaic Stadium and the Riders on the road? It would also be amazing considering that the Bombers and the Riders played in the 07 Grey Cup with Winnipeg representing the East and Saskatchewan representing the West. How CFL would it be to have a Grey Cup where now Winnipeg is representing the West 
and Saskatchewan is represented in the East. That would be mind-blowing. Now, I'm not advocating anybody getting fired. I don't even say that for other coaches. I sometimes wonder why they have jobs, but I don't say get fired because, like you just heard me say probably, you shoot arrows at somebody, something shoots back at you. But I really believe that in order for the status quo to remain in Saskatchewan, I, I would think they need to. And I don't think any – like, I like Dickey. They're still playing hard for him. Uh, you know, people are critical of O'Day. He's done some good things. Maybe he could have beefed up the O-line, although O-line and quarterbacking are the two areas anywhere in professional sports. It's hard to find uh, marquee people. But where I'm going with this is I think the Riders need to do something in the playoffs, i.e. the East Division, to keep things status quo around here. Yeah, I think that's that's legitimate. I mean, this, this at the end of the day, is is a competitive football team. That said, you are what your record says you are, and, and at the moment they're they're below 500. They got off to a great start, and yes, they've had injuries. I, I have a piece coming out first thing tomorrow morning, ranking all of the teams based on how many injuries they've had so oh. far this year. Spoiler alert: the Riders are the sixth most injured team in the CFL so far this year. So not the most injured, but they are closer to the lower injured side than they are the less injured side. Uh, least injured CFL team this year, by the way, is Montreal. Um, but at the same time, I mean, this is a, a season where, you know, fans came in, rightfully so, with very high expectations. You mentioned 2013. Everybody wants to see their team win a great cup, and they really want to see their team win a great cup on home soil. And so, you know, if the Riders, let's say, hypothetically finish fourth, they go to Montreal, win the East semi. And 2017 repeats itself. You know, they they play Toronto and and they lose it by a hair. I I think the Riders would be foolish to make choices. I think their current brain trust does a lot of good things. I like Craig Dickinson as a head coach as much as he has made some errors this year. He's got that in common with eight other CFL head coaches who have also made some errors at times this year. Yeah. Um, Yeah, John. But if if they fizzle out, absolutely, I could see – I could see changes being made. John Hodge joining us from Three Down Nation. He's got a great column. Tomorrow he just plugged. Make sure you check out his work. Okay, so uh, uh, listen, these guys are professional athletes. I'm not. So take what I say with a grain of salt. But I, I've never been sold on Vernon Adams Jr., to me, this is his last chance to prove he can earn big money and be a starting quarterback because the BC Lions need to start planning for post-Nathan Rourke at least for a couple of years. If Chris Strebler, I thought I thought Rourke nine games, maybe he needed more time and he'll be back for another year, and I still kind of believe that. But if Chris Strebler, who isn't Nathan Rourke, uh, the only reason he didn't stick with the Jets is because they sewed up more money in their quarterbacks and they had to they had to politically make a move and put him on the practice roster. I think Rourke's better than Strebler. So with that in mind, I think Rourke will probably still get a good look in the offseason. So where I'm going with this is Vernon Adams Jr. This is his last chance to prove that he deserves starting money and he's a starting quarterback. I really believe that. I, I 100% agree. And I, and I agree, by the way, with Nathan Rourke. Yes, he underwent. Less frank surgery, yes, that is not a guaranteed surgery you know, to come back from in, in a relatively short time. It might be six months, nine months, even 12 months before he's healthy again. We don't know. That said, he's only 24, right? You mentioned Chris Trevler. I agree that Nathan Mork is a better player than Chris Trevler. Chris Trevler is already 27, which is kind of that you know, make-or-break age. Beyond 27, it's, it's hard to stick in the NFL unless you've kind of proven yourself. Mm-hmm. Whereas 24, I mean, Nathan Rourke is a guy who, who a team could stick on their PR and develop for, for two or three seasons, right, before there's really any pressure 
to get him actually doing something on an active roster. So I, I concur there, and I, I concur with Vernon Adams Jr. I mean, this is a guy who a lot of people people forget. He was not the starting quarterback of the Montreal Alouettes in 2019. Antonio Pipkin was the guy <laughs> under center the first week of 2019. That's hilarious. Adams Jr. Well, and, and by that point, in, he was in Hamilton in 2018. They tried him out at receiver. Like, he had, he had completely been written off as a quarterback. All of a sudden, 2019, he figured it out. He turned around. He caught lightning in a bottle. And that's now three years ago. He's had injuries over that time. He, I, I agree that he needs to prove. Just like he, he saved his career once in 2019, has made a bunch of money since then as a starting quarterback in this league. But obviously, he had a very short leash in Montreal this year, was replaced by Trevor Harris, and I think it was six quarters uh, to start the year. He's got to show it in BC. And the good news is he's got the best receiving core in the CFL at his disposal. Yeah. The offensive line has improved, and the defense has been getting takeaways this year. So he's got a good chance available to him. It's up to him to see if he can take advantage don't of it. Be, don't, don't think these guys are stupid either because they're not. Vernon Adams Jr., Cody Fajardo, kind of in the same boat. They're looking. Cody had that one really good year, okay year in 2021, and he's been up and down this year. Last couple of weeks, though, uh, take last week out of it, but the two weeks previous to that, he's played his best ball, but it's no no uh, secret. His wife moved back here. They just had the baby today, Luca. Uh, the, so he's living with his family. That's the human side of it. Uh, you know, when you're, when you're happier in your personal life, you're happier at work for anybody. And he also looks down the highway, as Vernon Adams would look, and say, hmm, there's a guy like Bo Levi Mitchell that probably won't be in Calgary next year, so I better pick up my game. I mean, that's just the human side of it. Uh, absolutely. And, and I think right now we're, we're entering a really big potential offseason for quarterback movement. I mean, I, I don't see Zach Kolaris leaving Winnipeg, and I don't see Jake Mayer leaving Calgary. Beyond that, mm-hmm. I think anything is on the table. Like, Jeremiah Masoli only played four games in Ottawa. He was fine. He certainly wasn't great. Uh, you, you know, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, you, you'd certainly think there's a way for Toronto to potentially improve that spot. I'm not saying he's been bad, but he's been middle of the road. Dane Evans has been a disappointment in Hamilton. There are a lot of guys who are looking, I think, to this last third of the season and the postseason to try to make a bunch of money. Because, again, we've talked about 2019. Nobody thought Zach Kolaris would be making big money ever again in the CFL at this point of the season in 2019, right? He was damaged yeah. good. He was, he was a write-off. And all of a sudden, he's the reigning MOP, and he's probably going to win MOP again this year. I looked it up the other day. Only four players in the history of this league ever won back-to-back MOPs. It's looking like he's going to be number five. Um, so I agree. Cody Fajardo is in that boat. Uh, Taylor Cornelius got a two-year extension today. Maybe Edmonton set with him and Trey Ford. Uh, but beyond, really, Jake Mayer... Zach Kolaris, um, and potentially Nathan Rourke, depending on the NFL, there's not many guys who I would look at right now and say, okay, that's a lock. Most teams are going to be in the quarterback market to some extent this offseason. So lastly, quickly, you're the guy that knows more than me in terms of getting all this information. When do the fines come out? Because I'm very interested to see if that Calgary guy that picked the ball off and ran into the end zone and pulled the Duke Williams gets fined. Because if he doesn't, now I'm like, what's going on with this league? Actually, that's a good point. Usually the CFL announces its fines at 6 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesdays, and that has come and gone, which either means 
there's no fines this week, or it means they're late. So I'm curious to see what happens, Baldy. I'm curious. Yeah, me too. Hey, John, thanks for your time. You can check out the column tomorrow. That's intrigued me. It's about who's, uh, was it, lost the most man games to injuries? Is that how we kind of phrase it? That is correct. All right, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate your time. You do great work over there. Appreciate it, Ballsy. Anytime. That's John Hodge, Three Down Nation. Let's get to Kevin on the phone before we uh, take a break here. Go ahead, Kevin. Hi. This is Kevin from Indian Head. Yeah. I was just wondering, I'm not a Ryder fan at all. I'm a BC fan, but how come Mike Ballsy, Mike, he always uh, runs down the, the uh, opposing team? Like, he sticks with the Riders, of course, and this is his show, Mike Ballsy. Mm-hmm. And I wonder why I know that Jason Horrick, he got hurt and he's out for the rest of the season. Yeah. Why do they think BC's only going to win one more game? Because I know they don't, they don't have a very good quarterback, but Riders have a quarterback, and they seem like they can't win either with them. Well, you're, you just answered the question, man. The BC Lions don't have a quarterback, yeah. so so that's why they're not going to win many games. I never said the Riders are going to win a... Uh, I think the Riders' quarterback situation is better than BC's situation right now. That's why I think oh, the Riders will be I better. Agree. Yeah. I, I agree. Right right now yeah. they are, but... Here, here's something for you. Here, 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 here's something for you, man. Uh, I got this. I got this. Uh, this message from Michelle. Just to kind of counterpoint what you said. Hey, just wanted to let you know. This message goes. My parents who live in Vancouver are huge Lions fans. They wanted to listen to the Rider game on Saturday, so they got it on the 620 CKRM app. And they have been raving about how good a job you and Luke do, how it's enjoyable to listen to a game, and how you don't run down the other team, how you actually call it down the middle and call good plays for the other team. And we're BC Lion fans, and my parents are going to listen from now on to all the Rider games. So I, I'm just saying. Kevin, I, I I disagree with you. I think I I have actually got more complaints because I get excited for the other team. I just like good football. I don't care who scores the. T- I'm going to cheer more for the Riders, obviously, but I I just like good football. I agree with you. You're right there. I agree with the football, but like the Riders aren't doing all that great this year, neither. No, everybody's uh, expecting them to go into the, to the Great Cup. Well, it might not happen. It might. Yeah. Well, you have a great No, you have a great day, Kevin, okay? I will. Take care. Go Lions, go. Yeah, go Lions, go. Lions were always my second favorite team. As a Mervin Fernandez, Roy DeWalt, Nelson Martin, John Henry White, John Pankratz, Ned Armour, I could Larry Crawford, Nick Hebler, Jerry Taggy, yeah, Taggy. I had them all. I was a BC Lions guy. I was there. My second favorite team. I love Orange. Not Jerry as much Taggy as, was a Packer. Jerry Taggy. Uh, I think that's his name. Yeah, Jerry Taggy. <laughs> anyway, we'll take a break and be back to wrap up the show in a moment on six twenty CKRM. All right, about ready to wrap the show up. Did you see uh, Rick Flair? He was smoking doobies with uh, Mike Tyson. Oh, boy. Can you imagine that? He, he better be careful, that guy, man. I'm a jet flying, kiss-stealing, wheeling-dealing, limousine-riding son of a gun. Man. Woo! Remember his days with evolution? Do you remember evolution? Yeah. yeah. Evolution is a mystery. Yeah. 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 Oh, Oh, man, that was a great song, Motorhead. Oh, Oh, man. Okay, so let's uh, wrap the show up. Uh, Sass, tell 
Football Weekend brought to you by Sastel. And, uh, yeah, they're the title sponsor. What's going on around here? Uh, Sastel, just give me a second here. i got to find the uh, liner because we want to tell you, Sastel's a proud sponsor of the Great Cup Festival, and they're rolling out the green carpet for Football Weekend in Saskatchewan. Now, <clears throat> lots of people like to come to a party after, you know, like, it's like, okay, so, yeah, you've planned the party. You've bought all the goods, all the booze, everything. You've set up the chairs, the tables, everything. You've hired the band. You've got everything going on. You've constructed this big weekend, and then people are like, Oh, I want to be a cool kid. Can I come to the party? And then they try to take over the party. Listen. There is one radio station that has been on this thing from day one. It is 620 CKRM. If you want football talk, if you want football talk from the RMF, high school football, which, by the way, I'm going tomorrow after the show to do public address announcing for uh, Belfer. I forget who they're playing. Belfer's playing uh, Johnson. I'll be doing that at Libel Field. If you want sports talk from right from the very small guys all the way up to professional football and everything in between, this is the station. So we've been the number one and only station on football weekend in Saskatchewan, along with our friends at Sastel. So we got the Ryder game. Four o'clock to 4.30 is a mini um, sports cage. Then 4.30 to 7.30 is our pregame show. Kickoff just after 7.30, Riders and the Elks. Game one of football weekend in Saskatchewan. Then we turn the page to Saturday. At 12.45, Sean Kleisinger makes his debut as a play-by-play announcer on this station. He and Ryan Hall, a great amateur coach, will call the Regina Thunder-Saskatoon Hilltops game. Game number two in football weekend in Saskatchewan, presented by Sastel. And then we have a special sports cage on the concourse, where you can win some great prizes. We'll have great guests coming in and out, and we'll talk about the Thunder-Hilltops game and tee up the Rams and the U of S Husky He's a battle of 2-0 teams. You got the young rookie quarterback and Noah Pelche, 2-0 as a starter, against Mason Nias, a Heck Crichton Trophy uh, candidate. Everybody's talking about him. We'll hear from him tomorrow on the show. So he will join us on the field, and that's going to be a great game. Rams and the Huskies, a battle of 2-0 teams. Huskies are number two in the country. Rams are number six in the country. Daniela Ponticelli on the call, along with uh, our friend Pete Pasco. So right here is where you want to tune in, starting today all the way through football weekend in Saskatchewan. There's no... Take your radio, take the dial if you got an old radio, and break it off and leave it right here mm-hmm. on CKRM. If not, put it on your app, 620 CKRM, okay? Mm-hmm. That's what you're gonna do. Mm-hmm. Are you pumped for that game or oh, what, baby? Come no. on, let's let's do this thing. Let's get it going. Come on, baby. Get that hype horn Come going. Come on, where we is gotta, it? Where is that hype Where's horn? Where's my boys at? Come on, Come man. On. You're you letting guys? down. Yeah, let's go. So, ballsy, where do I get my tickets? Here's where you get your tickets. Feel that. Feel that energy. Do you feel that? I feel it. Raise the roof. Come on. So you go. Hey, to, you guys aren't done yet. Get back. Get over back here. here. Get back. We're not done. The show's not over yet. It's 629. Riderville.com <laughs> is where you go. You click on the link. You can get a bundle pack. Go to the Riders Elks game. Oh, yeah. Go to the 
Hilltop's Thunder game. By the way, Thunder undefeated. Hilltops have two losses. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Huskies are going to get handed their lunch. I hate the U of S Huskies. Oh, me too. The only the only thing I like about the U of S Huskies, Mason Nias, Paul Waldo, Riker Frank, Scott Flory. Mm. I hate every. In fact, when I go to Saskatoon, I back in there so it looks like I'm leaving. <laughs> Actually, I like Saskatoon. I'm yeah, a, Saskatoon's I'm a nice looking city. Listen, city. I'm the voice of the Rough Riders, and I love all of Saskatchewan. But not on Saturday. We are we are a Ram Thunder radio station, and that's what we're going to do. These two cities have been battling on the gridiron since the 1950s, back in the day when it was the Regina Rams and the Saskatoon Hilltops, and then when the Regina Rams moved on to the university ranks, the Thunder came and took the reins, and they've been going at it since the year 2000. Thunder got a win now. Thunder got a win. Scott McCauley took over Erwin Klempner's team. He won one championship right away and has been knocking at the door. It's time to not knock at the door. Kick it down. Blow it up, and you do it on Saturday at 1 o'clock. Let's get it on, because we don't get along. Let's buy the tickets and really promote football in Saskatchewan. That's going to do it for my show tomorrow. We have Darnell Sankey on the show. We'll hear from Coach Dickinson. We'll hear from Isaac Ford, outstanding receiver for the Regina Thunder. Mason Nias and a little betting action with Andy McNamara and Glenn Suter. Just another full show. Where do you listen to sports in Saskatchewan, Singer? On 620 CKRM, baby.